Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. I am Chris Tidball, Executive Claims Consultant with Second Look, where we routinely find our insurance clients millions of dollars. On our podcast, we showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. We believe that all of our guests have a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we will reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Hello, Rob, and welcome to the Insurance Claims Innovation Podcast. Good morning, Chris. Hey, it's great to have you here. Uh, Thanks. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in claims? You know, what have you done along the way, and what are you doing now? Well, I've been in insurance for uh, about 30 years now. Uh, I started with a health insurance company. I was recruited out of college. Uh, they were adjusting medical claims. Um, and then I moved to the PNC side by being offered a job from an auto insurance company, who uh, eventually went out of business. But there I learned a lot of what, uh, what you know, the nuts and bolts of, uh, you know, the industry, uh, the whole auto policy. We, beyond, we didn't take the first notice of loss, but beyond that, we did everything else in the claim from soup to nuts. We did all first party and third party BI and uh, uh, physical damage. So it was collision claims, the uh, uh, claimant's uh, liability claim, their BI claim, uh, uninsured motorist, uh, PIP and med pay. So it, it ran the gamut. And I got, you know, uh, got an invaluable uh, experience there. Wow. Um, were yeah, you, yeah. Were you in an office or were you out on the street? Were you physically looking at cars? Well, this is, this is funny. The, uh, not to get too specific about the company, but it was a company that was domesticated in another state. The office was in New Jersey, and we handled claims on the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was all, uh, you know, we were all in the office on uh, California time. So it was typically like seven to, uh, or excuse me, um, 11 to seven. And, um, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, like you said, it was just a tremendous amount of experience. We were assigned risks, so it wasn't the best uh, claims. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, uh, we, you know, the, the, the valuable experience from learning, having to do everything on the claim beyond the first notice of loss, we went to complete investigation. Uh, we didn't do the appraisals. We had an appraisal company out there for it. Okay. But, you know, bringing those in, uh, reviewing them in-house, uh, doing our own liability, um, you know, we do our negotiations uh, against uh, plaintiff's attorneys and uh, um, uh, settling and negotiating. It just, like I said, it was a, um, a tremendous amount of experience. It was very you know, challenging at the time, but I learned so much from it. It was invaluable. Wow. And now what are you doing today? Right now I'm in subrogation. So that's what, uh, that's what led up to um, where wow, I wound up in subrogation. The company went out of business, like I said, and uh, I was offered a job uh, for the subrogation department at a major insurance company. Uh, because there was no other, nothing else out there, I took the job and figured I'd get back into adjusting claims. But uh, what I found when doing subrogation was that, you know, when you have a claims desk and you have insurance calling you and claims attorneys calling you and claimants calling you, uh, you know, your phone's ringing off the hook. But at subrogation, nobody's calling to give you money. So the shoe was on my foot and I was doing the kick. So I, could, I, I had control of my phone, my desk, um, and I was able to... Uh, you know, correctly organized where we, like a lot of times when I found in my experience, if you, if you hire an adjuster to handle subrogation, they do what they know best, and that's adjusting. So they go back over the claim, start adjusting all again, the work that's already been done. They need to, uh, you know, you need to break that habit and start with, how do I recover the money? Number one, 
How do I get to the money? How do I recover? And that's where you start. The adjustment for my benefit was that I had adjusting experience and I used that to fill in any cracks or gaps in the claim. Uh, but you know, you know, it was it's a matter of picking up the phone, being aggressive, um, knowing what you're talking about, of course, being knowledgeable, and uh, you know, just keeping on top of everything because uh, it, it can be very, very, very effective. Obviously, if you let you, you know, you run your desk and your desk doesn't run you. Right, right. That's a really good point. So, yeah. so speaking of running a desk, I mean, what do you think the the biggest challenges are facing adjusters today? What I found you know, from my experience, the company that's been at the staff that I've had is, you know, we've gone away from a lot of the basics. Uh, here's a, for instance, you know, proof of payment used to be number one in your subrogation, because obviously there's no subrogation if payment hasn't taken place. That's completely skipped over now. I mean, we, we, we used to, they used to want copies of checks. So we started giving screen computer screenshots. That was an issue. That shows you how far back I go. Um, but we got totally away from that. You can send a suburb demand without any proof of payment and you get paid. Um, so from what I'm seeing is that they're overwhelmed by everything they have to do because with the advent of computers, there's a lot of data entry that needs to go on because companies, you know, the companies they work for want this data. They want to know, you know, how best to run their business. So incorporating or calculating all this data, um, you know, gives them a, 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 a view of what's going on out there. Now, it's not necessarily a correct view. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not necessarily how you should base, you know, determine everything based upon your data. But what the adjusters find is that they're doing a lot of the data entry instead of actually doing the adjusting. Um, so, you know, they have to enter this, they have to enter that, they have to check this, check that. Instead of you know, really going back to what's the basic of the claim, you know, what's the coverage right. in the policy? What needs you know, what's the coverage? What needs to get paid? What are the damages? What are the circumstances of the loss? The investigation, all that. So, so it's hard when you know for them to even do the sub the investigation for the subrogation. They kind of want to go out there to a high level, you know, um, look see at everything, and then send it along to subro without really getting the true facts, and that's where. When it comes to subrogation, what I used to do with my staff who, who were prior adjusters, they'd come and say, hey, Rob, there's no police report. This file, I'm sending it back to the adjuster to get the police report. Like, no, you get the police report because that's the, your money that you need to get in to make the goal. Um, you need to complete the investigation. Now, the suburb rep is not necessarily schooled in that, but they, they need to be. And, they, you know, they need to go out there, understand how best to maximize the recovery on the loss. And that's by completing a full investigation, determining getting all the damages, making sure everything's accounted for, and you know establishing or assessing the correct liability. And because the adjusters who in the past were supposed to do all that and kind of hand it off with the checklist nice and neat to the suburb rep, they don't they can't do it. I think it falls on the suburb rep now to do that, and that's the that's the best way to maximize your recovery dollars. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. You know, we're in this we're in this place where it seems like, you know, every company wants people to do more with less. Yes. And mm -hmm. resources yep. are few and far between. Yeah. Stuff's gonna fall between the cracks. I mean, I don't think anybody comes into work to do a bad job. It's they no. come into work and they're just overwhelmed. Yes. And you know, companies want this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I mean, speaking of, you know, companies, you know, what do you think, you know, executives are thinking? What's keeping them up at night? Um, still, that's kind of where the, um, I don't know what you want to say, disconnect lies, is at an executive level, you have a whole bunch of other, um, uh, uh, um, what's the, um, sorry, 
throw the flag down. You have a whole different thought, train of thought, you know, because they're getting what? they're getting from the executive level. You have a different amount of things that or different um, uh, things that you're trying to reach, whatever it is on your uh, total claims paid, keeping down expenses, you know, your overall. And, you know, if you know, I think, we would, you know, keeping that what's keeping an executive up at night is not necessarily what's keeping an adjuster up. Should they be the same things? No, not necessarily. But I think if the executives knew what their justice were keeping up, what was keeping their justice up at night, then the executives would never get any sleep. Right. Um, because, you know, they're, they're struggling with a whole different set of parameters that, you know, sometimes I think um, are a little bit of the, you know, uh, are unmanageable. Right. And, uh, and again, what happens is, you know, you have the, you have your adjusters, you know, they're looking at all these problems they're facing and they're wondering why the executives uh, aren't doing more. The executives are looking at all the problems that they're facing and they're wondering why their adjusters aren't doing more. Right. And it, it, it's, it's the priorities are, are just are just different. And, you know, the you know, trying to get, you know, f- find that in between is very difficult. Yeah. And it, it comes down to communication. I mean, I, I know, yes. you know, when I worked for a large global company, there were many, many layers of management. And yeah. what's happening at the top layer might involve stuff that's happening over in an Asia pack or mm-hmm. Africa or Europe, where we're worried about why aren't you assessing comparative negligence on a claim in New York in a parking lot accident? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you bring up a really good point there. So so one of the things you know, obviously, this podcast is about innovation, and you're out there in the industry, you're seeing what people are doing. Are you seeing anything that really stands out? Like this is. You know, everybody says they've got the next best thing and we can solve all your problems. Have you come across anything that really is good, that really is a game changer? Um, you know, it, you know, I haven't because I think that it really comes, it always comes down to the basics. Um, I thought that, you know, one thing I found interesting was, um, a, you know, a system that developed your, your subrogation because – Subrogation, you know, um, isn't like claims adjusting. Where claims adjusting, you can kind of flow chart and you go from A to B to C to D in a lot of instances, especially with your first party, you know, collision claims. Um, Subrogation, you know, doesn't work that way. It it kind of spins off. It can spin in a multiple amount of directions. So it kind of fractures. And you need that's where you need, you know, the human element uh, in there. um, And it can't be replaced by computers where you have to, you know, you know, think on your feet and turn on a dime. Right. You know, you, you, know, you, you don't necessarily have the um, um, all the time in the world to ponder, make decisions about claims. You know, you're there, you're, you're, you're assessing something, you, may, you, you create what you think the value of the claim is, you're going to shoot for that for your recovery, and you have to be prepared for what the other side is going to come back at you with. So this system um, kind of developed a, uh, you know, Based upon what your target was, whether it was a carrier, whether it was an uninsured motorist, whether it was a carrier who was a member of our forums, a you know a, a plan to follow, and uh, it helped a lot with the automation on the automation side, with sending out letters and diary and stuff like that. Which again, all that data actually takes time. Um, so I took that off the hands of the the the, the subro rep. Um, but again, you still can't take the person out of the equation. You need to be there to make the phone call. You need, you know, if you if you just have the computer, um, and we tried this, you know, if you just have the computer, uh, just going out there and making demands, uh, and then expect the money to roll in, you're never going to get the other party, you know, to to, to to you know to to bother calling you back or, or responding. Right. 
whether it's by emails or by, by letters. Yeah, you, you really have to get on the phone. And um, also, unless it's 100% case, you know, if you try to put in, you know, 100% to 90%, we have some, some wiggle room, um, it, it, it's always going to default for the lowest amount. So you right. never really, you know, you're never going to really maximize, you know, what you want. Because if you say, well, we're going to set this at 90 to 100%, the computer's going to go out there, it's going to contact the other adjuster, the other adjuster is going to come back at 75, it's going to default to 90, and that's what you're going to get. Right. So, um, you know, the, the you know, computers, you know, you know, for all that the technology was supposed to, you know, help us, um, it really has created, you know, three times the amount of work for your average adjuster. Uh, for the amount they have to handle. Now, I went back to the days where you had a you know paper diary. You had the blue notes in the folder that you wrote down. You went and you pulled your claim, and I had 120 claim pen. <laughs> well, and <laughs> you, know? you know that's that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to someone recently, and they, and they were sharing. You know, we started in the industry about the same time, like you. I've been about 30 years in, mm-hmm. and uh, he was in the same position. And and we were talking about how when we started, we might get you know a claim or two a day. And we were field yeah. adjusters. We were out there mm-hmm. doing everything. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're knocking on doors, writing estimates, finding witnesses. Statements in person. So I statements, yeah. Yeah. And then what happened yeah. over time, it seems that, you know, you know, again, more with less. It went to three claims a day, four claims a day, five claims mm-hmm. a day. Let's move everybody into a service center and give them seven mm-hmm. claims a day. Let's <laughs> segment out BI and PD and PIP. And let's send Subro mm-hmm. over to that room and salvage over to the other room. And so now all of a sudden you, you've created this ecosystem that, you know, maybe there are economies of scale. Maybe there's technology that can help, you know, certain aspects of it. But stuff mm-hmm. falls through the cracks. I'm sure as, as yeah. you see, you know, you'll pick up a file and you'll be like, wait a minute, there was a $5 million subrogation case here that you just dropped the ball on and put in the closed file room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens, it happens all the time. Um, and I think, you know, I'm a big fan of innovation. I, I think that there are things that are moving in the right direction. And you know what, maybe in, in 20 years, you won't need people. But I think, you know, given your expertise, I mean, where do you see claims in five years, you know, knowing what you know, today, we're in 2022. Um, mm-hmm. There are aspects of technology. There is still the need for a human element. Where do you see us in 2027? Well, I think that um, whether good or bad, um, you know, the, the, with technology, there'll be you know um, more and more apps, and a lot more for the consumer or the insured to do themselves. Right. Um, you know, they'll they'll want to make their collision claim, so they'll go and they'll have to go on the app and make out their their claim form, give them all the information. Uh, you know, take pictures of their vehicle, uh, you know, t- get, you know, supporting documentation, probably maybe even give their statement over the app uh, and all that will be collected. Um, you know, on the other end, will there be, you know, a human being? I, I don't think you can get away from that, but to some extent, there'll probably be, you know, initially the attempt to create automation. So we'll go through a computer first and if it, whatever it stall, stalls, the claim stalls, then it'll probably go to a human being. Um, so I, I see that, you know, the, there'll always be a need for claims adjusters. There'll always be a need for people to handle these things, uh, the human intervention. Um, and also, business-wise, for a company, uh, you can't, for instance, you know, with the current situation, well, with the prior situation with the pandemic, everybody working from home. Uh, that was nice, and a lot of stuff should be done from home. Uh, and I agree with a lot of people you know, working from home. I think you know, it should be an option for everybody. But uh, certainly not at 100%. Because what working together as a team, 
Um, you gain, you know, you get so much when you ha- when you have your coworkers around you, and you can bounce stuff off each other. And I know we can do that by Zoom conferencing and things like that, but it's just not the same. The right. way you're 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 in an office, you're sitting desk to desk with, with your buddy, you know, and you're just you know shooting stuff. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it creates that synergy. Um, where everybody's sharing knowledge. And if you have a question, you can just go over and ask somebody. Maybe it's even another department if they have questions, underwriting or claims. So that's something you Yeah. Um, they, they, vice versa, they can come to you. Uh, we, where, you know, there's, there's, you know, instead of trying to reach somebody by phone, email, or, you know, call them up on a video call, um, you know, that inter- person-to-person interaction, uh, yeah, I think we all need it in general, <laughs> you know, socialization. Right. But, um, yeah, but but trying to, you know, with, with a lot of the remote learning, trying to go 100% with that of the remote working, um, I don't think that's necessarily the, the best direction either. Um, so, I, it, you know, it's, it's hard to tell where things are going to wind up. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> but well, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. And you bring up a good point. I mean, I think back to, you know, my earliest claims days, you know, it's 1989 mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And, you know, I come out of adjuster training school in Cleveland, where they spend six weeks teaching you the bones of the body and what's the difference mm-hmm. between a fender and a quarter panel. And yeah. then you go back and you're handed 150 claims. And it really has nothing to do with what, what you learned in, the, in mm-hmm. the textbook, the training. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're dealing with an area, in my case, you know, a, an extensive amount of fraud. And mm-hmm. I learned probably more from the guy next to me than I ever learned in claims training. I mean, yeah. I would ask him questions. He would he would listen to my statements and he would be, you know what, dude, that claims fraud. I can tell you right mm-hmm. now, I don't even have to look at it. Yeah. I mean, he had been around the block more than once. And I think mm-hmm. you bring up a really valid point that, you know, the pandemic changed things. And, and, you know, from an adjusting standpoint, you know, in my view, probably in your view, adjusting is a skill. And it's something yeah. that has to be used and honed with time. And, you know, we're just not seeing the same level of skill that we that we saw. Not that the talent's mm-hmm. not there. The talent's definitely there. But we need to really bring out that inner adjuster in people. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, something... Um, you know, I mean, I, I agree with you that, you know, the it, 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 the experience that you get from working with a veteran, and that's the same thing with the company that I was at, the the auto company. We had right. um, a lot of guys there that were in their 50s and 60s, you know, and they just, and they, again, they just knew so much. Um, and us, you know, you know just you know, new, new, newbies, um, we relied on, we, we relied on them heavily, you know, even to the point of, you know, with, with, Stuff you wouldn't even think of because they can't teach you this in the, in the adjusting school. You know, dealing with plans attorneys and negotiating right. BI claims. You know, understanding the angles that they're coming that they're coming at. You know, um, you know they're trying to you know strong arm you, trying to lowball you, um, right. and and that and they and again and the attorneys, you know, of course, are always going to be able, uh, uh, argue on their side, you know, and use whatever they can to their benefit. So you know, preparing yourself for that, and 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 you know, and you know, holding you know, again, looking at it as as you know, you want you know what you're doing, and don't let this guy you know run roughshod all over you. Right. Uh, you know, you know, stand up to him. Um, you know, hold firm, and and you'll see. You know, what's what's a, what's a decent offer is a decent offer, regardless of how they tell you they're gonna file suit and then they're gonna sue your insured and uh, they're gonna uh, you know charge you with a bad faith. <laughs> yeah, right. that's all posturing. 
Oh, of course. And I think, you know, we, we could probably spend a whole other half hour talking about the shortcomings of negotiations yeah. in carriers. I mean, I know I review files, you review files, and it's it's kind of shocking that you, you still to this day see BI adjusters looking at the medical bills and putting a multiplier on it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute, half of those bills aren't even related to this accident. And you still mm -hmm. multiplied it by three? You, yeah. you literally oh, yeah. paid this claim by $25,000. Yeah. Um, but hey, you but know, that's, you know, that's something too. I'm sorry, you know, like you know, with negotiation where you know comparative negligence, for instance, everybody wants to fit into a nice little box, and and it right. doesn't. And it's a matter of let's say opinion. There's always you know ways you can you can skew it, but you know almost people want like a little system where they can say here are the facts of loss. Tell me what the percentage of the comparative negligence is, right. and it, it does it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you know, again, we're talking about automation, and that's the thing too. They move to an automated system. You know, you get whatever your your police report and your statements from all these, you know, and the computer tries to figure out the comparative negligence is. I tell you, the computer's not going to do it right. A human being is, but a computer will never get it right. Right, right. What, what, what I found, you know, from a technology perspective is the, the, the benefit there is it will get people off of zero or 100. And, yes, and that's, exactly, really yeah. the, that's really the goal. Yeah. Because, you know, as you review files still to this day, in pure comparative states for, you know, uh, modified comparative mm -hmm. states, you still see zero or a hundred. You mm -hmm. don't see people moving off of that. And mm -hmm. I think that's where technology helps because it can report upwards that, you yes. know, this subset of adjusters isn't appropriately applying negligence in their, in their scenarios. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, Rob, I want to thank you for joining us today. I, I think Thanks, this was a fascinating discussion. I think we'll probably have to do this again. Yeah. Um, so to the audience, this is uh, Rob Larkin. He's with Second Look. He is an expert in subrogation, probably one of the most knowledgeable folks in the industry. Thank um, you. If you're interested in joining our podcast, head on over to secondlook.net and look for the podcast link, and we're happy to have you. So, again, Rob, thanks, and have a great day. Right, thank you, Chris. You too. Thank you for listening to Insurance Claims Innovation. Are you interested in being a guest on our show? We would love to have you. Visit us at go.secondlook.net slash podcast dash guest. Please share Insurance Claims Innovation with others on social media and provide rave reviews about our guests. The goal of Insurance Claims Innovation is to showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. Follow us at Insurance Claims Innovation and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Second Look, Inc. Interested in learning more? Stop by our website at www.secondlook.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. My name is Chris Tidball, and I hope you found this to be time well spent.